Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you've revealed yourself to us in the scriptures. And we pray now that as we study those scriptures together, we would come to know more of what you're like and so to love you more. May the words of my mouth and the meditations, the reflections of all of our hearts be pleasing to you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me begin by asking you a question. Where do you go for help with life's troubles? It's a cheerful opener, isn't it? Where do you go for help with life's troubles? My guess is that most of us won't have to think too hard to find examples of troubles given the events of recent weeks. For example, illness is a big issue for all of us just now, isn't it? It might be that you're ill right now or that someone you know and love is ill. Or maybe your work situation looks pretty perilous as a result of lockdown. Perhaps your job's under threat at the moment. I know quite a few folks finding themselves in that situation right now. And those are just a couple of troubles that have arisen as a result of coronavirus. Add to those perennial perennial troubles that many of us face in day-to-day life. Breakdowns in family or personal relationships. Bereavements. Childlessness. Unwanted singleness. Where is it that you go for help in your time of trouble? Well, in the psalm we're going to be thinking about together this evening, we find the author asking himself just that question. As Davy mentioned, last week we began a series in Psalms 120 to Psalm 134. We'll be dipping into this series in and out of it over the next few weeks and months. These psalms are called the Psalms of Ascent. And they were sung by God's people on their journey, on their way up to Jerusalem for three big annual festivals. They are a pilgrim's playlist. But we saw last week in Psalm 120 that the journey to Jerusalem wasn't plain sailing. There was difficulty on the road. And and that theme continues into Psalm 121. Just notice how the psalm starts. Psalm 121, verse 1. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? Now, the reason the psalmist looks to the hills isn't actually all that clear. The hills might represent a threat. They might be a place where, where bandits or enemy soldiers might come down from. Or they might represent safety and home. They might be the hills around Jerusalem. That's another quite strong possibility. The truth is we don't know for sure. But whatever the hills themselves represent, in the context of the Psalms of Ascent and from the rest of Psalm 121, the issue remains the same. And it's a pretty clear one. The road to Jerusalem is strewn with difficulty. So much so that it looks like I might not make it safely to the end. So where can I look to for help in my time of trouble? And that might be exactly how you feel right now. The Psalms of Ascent model the pattern of the Christian life. We are pilgrims too, travelers on our way to a new Jerusalem, a new creation, 
We saw last week it's a place where lies and deceit will be dealt with, where war and opposition will be no more. But whilst Christians have that wonderful future ahead of us, we might not always feel like we have the legs to get there. The troubles of the journey might make us feel like we're going to stumble on the road, maybe even fall off the path altogether and drift away from the Christian faith. And so you may well be in a situation right now considering your own troubles that may have been some of those I listed at the beginning, maybe any kind of troubles. You may find yourself crying out with the psalmist on the troubled road to the holy city. Where's my help coming from? Now, you might have noticed that the author of Psalm 121 wasn't really one for building tension. So he asks the question in verse 1, and then he kind of gives a spoiler. He answers the question in verse 2. From where does my help come from, he asks. Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord. God is his helper on the road. And, And that answer might not be a huge surprise to you. Where should God's people go to for help on the journey to God's place, to God's city? Well, of course, it makes sense. You go to God for help. But even if you are a Christian and you know that answer is true in your head, do you always live as though it's true? Is your first instinct in times of difficulty to ask for the Lord's help? Or is it to guddle by on your own and hope that things work out okay in the end? Whether you describe yourself as a Christian or not, in fact, self-reliance may be a well-trodden path for many of us. And that's why Psalm 121 is quite so helpful. Because Psalm 121 doesn't just tell us where to look to on the road. That's actually quite a small part of the psalm in terms of the, the, I mentioned before, the psalmist isn't that keen on building tension. We find out in verse two, where do you look for for help on the road? To the Lord. The psalm doesn't just tell us where to look. It convinces us of why we should look there. Why we should look to our helper for help on the road. The psalmist lays out four big truths about our helper and about the kind of help he provides. And those truths paint a picture of a God who is both able and who is committed to helping us in life's troubles. Someone we should want to go to for help in our time of trouble. And we're going to spend the rest of our time thinking about those four big truths this evening. I should mention there's a service sheet available in a link just below the video on YouTube. There are some headings on that service sheet that you might find helpful as we move through the psalm together this evening. Firstly, verse 2, God, your helper, made everything. Now, one of the things you want to know when you ask someone for help with a problem is whether they actually have the resources to help, whether they're able to help. I don't tend to ask my mechanic to have a go at sorting my toothache, for example. I really like the guy, and I'm confident he'd give it his best punt, but to be honest, I don't think he'd be able to help with that kind of problem. He doesn't have the resources or the ability. Now, We don't know the particular difficulties that prompted the psalmist to write Psalm 121. Whatever they were, though, they were clearly beyond his ability to deal with them on himself. But they weren't beyond 
his helper. Just notice the first characteristic of the psalmist's helper that he draws our attention to. Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. His helper, the Lord, is the creator. He made everything from nothing. And that means that there's no problem the psalmist could face that was beyond the scope of his helper's rule and power. Now, I mentioned the well-trodden path of self-reliance a few minutes ago. And it's true that our first instinct might not always be to go to God for help in times of trouble. But I wonder whether part of the reason for that might be that we just don't think he's big enough to do anything about our situation. My problems are just so messy. They're so complicated. They're so long-standing. I don't doubt God's good as far as he goes, but he's just not big enough. He's just not strong enough to untangle my messy life. Well, if that rings any bells, just remember who's in your corner. The God who made the heavens, who spoke the earth into existence from nothing, the almighty, all-powerful creator God, that's where your help comes from. And that means that no matter how bleak they might feel, no matter how irresolvable they look, humanly speaking, your troubles, whatever they are, are not beyond the scope of his power. That's the first characteristic of God that the psalmist unpacks. God, your helper, made everything. And that means he is able to help in times of trouble. Now, there's a word that's repeated through the rest of the psalm that gives us a steer on just how it is that this helper actually helps his people. I wonder if you noticed it. Just have a quick scan if you've got a Bible open in front of you. A quick scan through the psalm and see if you can pick out the word. So look at verse 3. He who keeps you. Verse 4. He who keeps Israel. Verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. Verse 7, the Lord will keep. And then again, he will keep. And verse 8, the Lord will keep. The Lord uses his power, the same power that made the heavens and the earth, to keep his people, to guard his people on the journey home. And in the rest of the psalm, we see something of what that that keeping, that protection looks like. We'll see that in our next point this evening. Verses three and four. God, your helper, is inexhaustible in his care for you. Now, I've heard it said that there is no one in the world with a longer to-do list than a toddler at bedtime. And I know that to be true. Our little boy turned three just this past week. And pretty much every night after we've read with him and we've prayed with him and he's all ready for bed, all of a sudden, the, lists, the list of things he just needs to do and needs to do now, and the list of questions that he needs answers to immediately, well, it just explodes. So there's usually a stream of words coming out of his mouth, all in one big effort to delay the inevitable bedtime. 
But occasionally he'll ask a question about something that he actually wants to know the answer to. It's a bit of a skill picking up whether it's just a stream of consciousness or it's something he's actually concerned about. But that kind of question arose just a few weeks ago. He just asked me whether clouds go to bed. That's a fairly standard line of questioning at bedtime. But he then slowed down and he asked me this question. Daddy, he said, will you protect me tonight? Now, the answer I gave him was, buddy, of course I will. I'll protect you through the night, son. Don't you worry. You just go to sleep. But thinking back on it, the reality is that I can't promise that. Not really. I can promise to lock the doors. I can promise to check the windows. I can promise to set the burglar alarm. I can set up a baby monitor in his room so he can hear anything that comes in or goes out. I can service the smoke alarms in the house regularly. I can make sure he's not got anything sharp and pointy with him in his bed, that he's snuck in there without me noticing. But the truth is, I need to sleep too. So I can try and pull an all-nighter to watch over him. The problem is the following night, I'm even more tired. And when I'm asleep, well, I'm every bit as fragile and helpless as my little boy is. Well, if you're a Christian, I want you just for a moment in the quiet of your own heart to ask that same question of your heavenly father. Father, on the, the, the difficult journey through life, maybe even in the troubles I'm facing right now, will you protect me? Will you keep me? And I want you to compare the honest answer that I can give to my little boy with the one that your heavenly father gives to you. Verse three. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. See, unlike my protection of my little boy, his care for you is not limited by his own weaknesses because he doesn't have any. He doesn't fall asleep on the job. He doesn't get distracted. He is inexhaustible. And actually, that fatherly picture is an appropriate one to sum up what goes on in verses three and four. Notice that verse three isn't an impersonal promise. It doesn't say that your foot will not be moved. It says that God himself will not let your foot slip. The help is personal. God is personally engaged in making sure that his pilgrim's feet don't slip. And if you think I'm reading too much into that wording, then look down to verse four. I think it makes the point slightly more forcefully. Read verse four again. Behold, says the psalmist, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Your helper isn't just the inexhaustible creator God. He has a track record of keeping his people safe on the road. He kept his people Israel on their journey out of slavery in Egypt. He kept them on their journey through the wilderness to the promised land. 
And so when the psalmist describes God as he who keeps Israel, it's a reminder that this is the kind of God he is. He is a keeping God. God is inexhaustible and he is committed to caring for you. Now, what does all of that mean for us? Well, there's a difference between knowing that someone has the resources to help you and knowing that they're actually going to use those resources. I remember watching a TV program about the SAS a few years ago, the Special Forces Unit of the Army, and there was an interview with a guy who had been in the SAS. And one of the things he mentioned was that when they were involved in an operation behind enemy lines, they were told that if they were caught, their government would deny knowing anything about them. And so sitting in a prison cell or a holding cell in a foreign country, awaiting whatever kind of horrible fate that their captors had in store, they knew that the country they were serving had the resources to save them. They could literally send a whole army of people to come and rescue them. But they also knew that they weren't going to use those resources. And that might be just how you feel as a Christian. You might not have any problem with believing verse 2 of Psalm 121. Your God has the resources to help you in your time of trouble. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. But what you're not sure about is whether he's actually going to use those resources and use them to help you. Or whether he's fallen asleep on the job. Well, the author of Psalm 121 would assure you he hasn't fallen asleep on the job. He has the resources to help you. And he is absolutely committed to using those resources to helping you on the journey. God, your helper, is inexhaustible in his care of you. Now, so far, we've seen that your God is both able to help you on the journey if you're a Christian and that he's committed to helping you on the journey. But all of that might leave you with a question. See, imagine yourself with one of those SAS soldiers in a holding cell deep in enemy territory. And imagine you know that the government that you're serving is able to help you. They have the power to come and rescue you. But not only that, imagine you know that they're committed to rescuing you. Well, how do you feel when they don't come? As the days and the weeks and the months pass and you're still left sitting in the cell, what kind of questions are you asking yourself? Why haven't they helped? They want to help, they can help. Where are they? Do they really want to help? Can they really help? And these verses might have raised the same question for you. What I mean by that is that it might feel like there's a disconnect between the promise of protection that, you, that we read in this psalm and your own experience as a Christian, as a pilgrim on the road to the New Jerusalem. See, if, if, if my helper is both able and committed to doing something about my troubles be it illness, employment concerns, relationship breakdown, whatever trouble I face on the road, he promises to protect me in the midst of those troubles, then why am I still troubled? 
Why do I not feel as though I've been protected through life? Where was this God, my helper, when I needed him? It's a really good question. And it's an important question if we're actually going to take the promises of Psalm 121 seriously. And to answer it, we need to understand the kind of help or the kind of keeping that's being promised in the psalm. And the next couple of verses help us to get our heads around that. We'll look at that under our next point. Verses five and six. God, your helper, watches over you protectively. Now, when you read verses five and six, our experience in Scotland might mislead us a bit. Because when we read a promise of shade from the sun, well, our minds might take us to our back garden or a local park sitting under watery Scottish sunshine. And, and in that context, shade is a comfort thing for us, isn't it? We, we don't really need it, but it makes life more pleasant if we have it. But it's important to remember that Psalm 121 isn't set under pleasant Scottish sunshine. It's set in searing desert heat on a dusty road towards Jerusalem. And so finding shade isn't just an issue of comfort in Psalm 121. It's the difference between getting heat stroke or dehydration and not. It's a life and death issue. And that's a really important detail to notice, I think. We aren't talking about comfort on the journey in verses five and six. We're talking about survival. And that's consistent with the other promises of God's protection through the psalm. Remember, verse three was a promise that he would keep your foot from slipping on the journey, not that he would pick you up and pop you down at your destination. The kind of protection God promises in Psalm 121 is protection against the kinds of dangers that might stop a pilgrim on the road to Jerusalem. The misplaced foot that causes you to tumble from the path. The heat stroke that stops you in your tracks. And that might make sense of where this psalm actually applies in your life as a Christian. See, if your God is your helper in times of trouble, like Psalm 121 suggests, then why hasn't he taken your trouble away? Why has my course of treatment not worked? Why has my broken relationship not been mended yet? Why am I still single when I long not to be? Why am I still childless when I long not to be? Where is my helper when I need him? Well, as painful as all of those things are, and it is absolutely right to call them for what they are, they are acutely, acutely painful. Your helper has not promised a shortcut or a comfortable ride. We know from elsewhere in the Bible that he'll walk with us through the valleys, through life's difficulties. But he won't take us out of them. That's the kind of help that isn't the kind of help he promises to give. He promises to keep pilgrims going on the dusty road to Jerusalem to protect them from the kinds of trouble that will take them out altogether. And so despite what it might look like and despite how it might feel, be assured that your helper, the creator God, 
He is watching over you protectively. And he will do so, verses 7 and 8, all the way to journey's end. That's going to be our final point this evening. Verses 7 and 8, God, your helper will guard you until journey's end. Again, the promise in verses 7 and 8 is of being kept. That's repeated twice over the course, uh, sorry, three times over the course of two verses. Um, but there's a new idea introduced in verses 7 and 8. It isn't just about the, the kind of protection God provides, but it's about the scope of that protection. I wonder if you noticed that. God will protect the pilgrim while he goes out and while he comes in. In other words, he will guard pilgrims in all they do, and he will do it, verse 8, from this time forth and forevermore. Now, in the context of the Psalms of Ascent, that promise might strike you as a little bit odd. It's like booking a week's summer holiday and deciding that to cover the risks associated with that week of holiday, you're going to sign up for an eternal insurance policy, one that lasts forever. That level of cover, that duration of cover, it's unnecessary for the journey, isn't it? It's overkill. And that's what's being promised in verse 8. Remember, these psalms were written for pilgrims to sing on the road to Jerusalem. It was a physical journey. And the duration of that journey depended on exactly where they were traveling from. But it's a pretty safe bet the journey wasn't going to take an eternity. And that's an important thing to notice. Because it shows us that these promises aren't just to those first pilgrims on a journey towards a physical Jerusalem, but to all of God's people through the ages as they journey towards the eternal city, the new Jerusalem. And the reason it's important to notice that is that it helps us to nail down the end goal of all of the promises he makes in Psalm 121. Your helper is able and is committed to keeping you on the road and, verses 7 and 8, he will keep you all the way from this day to journey's end. He will help you to persevere in the Christian life. He will guard you and protect you all the way to a wonderful new creation. That's the promise. That's the assurance of Psalm 121. And it is a wonderful assurance. Now, as we draw towards a close, let's spend a moment or two thinking about what we're meant to do with all of that. And firstly, what does it mean to those of us who are, are pilgrims on the road, are God's people, are Christians? Well, it means that we can have confidence in our helper. That's the big focus of the psalm, isn't it? The, the focus isn't just on the magnitude of the problems we face on the road. There isn't actually all that much detail about the kinds of problems we face on the road, relatively speaking. The focus is far more on the goodness and the sufficiency of the helper, of our keeper, of our God. And so if you're a Christian, well, I'd encourage you to take some time to meditate and reflect on what your helper's really like. And let me say, if the troubles and difficulties that you're facing right at this moment make them hard to believe, then you might even need to preach them to yourself. I would encourage you to do that. Your helper, verse 2, is the creator God, all-powerful. He is able to help in times of trouble. 
Your helper, verses three and four, is inexhaustible and he is committed to helping you. He's got a track record of it. Your helper, verses five and six, is protective. He stands between you and harm, not to make your journey pain-free, but to protect you from the kind of trouble that would derail you, that would take you out altogether. And your helper, verses seven and eight, will keep you till journey's end, all the way to that wonderful new creation. Now, it might not always feel like it, but it's true. That's the first line of application for us if we're Christians, confidence in the helper that we have. And the second line of application follows on from the first. See, when we know that this is what our God is like, what our helper is like, but we can be confident when we bring our problems to him, can't we? We can cry out to him for help on the journey, that he would keep us going, that he would keep our feet from slipping. And in fact, the Lord Jesus encourages us to do just that. Think of the words of the Lord's Prayer, for example. Lead us not into temptation, he says, but deliver us from evil. So as well as preaching to yourself, reminding yourself about the kind of helper you have on the journey, you can call out to him for help in times of trouble. Pray God's promises back to him. Lord, I feel overwhelmed by the stuff that I'm facing right now, but I know because you have told me you are able and committed to keeping me on the road. So would you please keep me? Would you please guard me all the way to the end? And lastly, what does this mean for you if you're watching this evening and you wouldn't describe yourself as being a Christian? Well, again, let me say, as Davy did, we are really pleased that you've tuned in. Please keep coming along virtually over the coming weeks. There's a line of application to Psalm 121 to you too. And to help you see how it might apply to you, again, let me ask the question that I began with. Where do you look to in times of trouble? And let me just say, if you aren't facing any particular acute troubles just now, I can absolutely assure you that one day you will. Where will you look to for help? As we've seen this evening, the God of the Bible is able and is committed to guarding his people in the difficulties of life. And not only that, the promise of the Christian life is that the journey we're making isn't just aimless wandering. It's not that life is a journey in the pop spirituality sense of the phrase. We are journeying towards a clear destination, a wonderful new creation where we will live with our perfect God and we will enjoy him forever. And so as one hymn writer put it, Christians have both strength for today because we have a helper and we have bright hope for tomorrow because we're going to be with him. And if you doubt any of that, if you aren't sure how committed this helper is to getting people to his new creation, well, just look at the cross of Jesus. That's the only reason that any of God's people have any hope of reaching a new creation, have any hope of putting one foot in front of the other on the way to the new Jerusalem because Jesus died to reconcile us, to make us right with God. 
And that strength for today, that bright hope for tomorrow, well, it's available to anyone who would turn away from the rejection of him, would ask for his forgiveness for that rejection and would trust in and treasure his cross. So let me ask you again, where will you look to for help in times of trouble? Well, I hope and I pray very much that you would look to him, to this helper, this keeper, the Lord Jesus, even this evening. Let me pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for the wonderful truths of Psalm 121, that you are our helper, our keeper in times of trouble. We praise you that you are able to do that. You are the creator of heaven and earth. And we praise you that you are committed to doing that, to keeping our feet from slipping and keeping on the path all the way to journey's end. Would you please give us confidence in your care of us and in your guarding of us, even when life circumstances might not always feel like it. And for those of us who don't know you yet, would you please impress upon them this evening quite how wonderful it is to have the strength for today that comes from knowing we have a helper, a sufficient and committed helper, knowing that we are guarded through life's difficulties, and knowing the bright hope of tomorrow, of a new creation. We ask all of these things in his name and for his sake. Amen. Well, we're going to sing a closing song together, a song that picks up on much of what we've just thought about together over the past few minutes. It's a song called, He Will Hold Me Fast. And again, music will play and words will appear on the screen. So let me encourage you to please sing this song together wherever you are this evening. He will hold me fast. <laughs>